0: hello hello my friends it's emily and welcome back to skills class an opportunity for you to learn important new ideas and skills uh, that we can tailor to you and your life in individual therapy sessions combining skills class with individual therapy is going to help your progress take flight so Before we get too deep into lesson two, I want you to just take a quick second and we're gonna find five things that you can see. My desk is so very cluttered, so this does not take any time for me at all, but five things you can see, okay? Now, what are four things you can feel? Maybe it's your feet on the ground, your bum in your seat, your sweater, things like that. All right. Now, what are three things you can hear? Okay. Two things you can smell. This one might be a little tricky. We don't if it's not 2 don't stress. And then finally, one thing you can taste. Mm, I took a sip of coffee. So hopefully we are feeling very grounded in the present moment. So today we're going to be talking about five emotionally relevant cues. We're going to be talking about the five major categories of emotions. Why they happen, how they happen, how to tell where you're at in them. There is going to be brain science and some neurology uh, for all my lovely brain nerds out there. But there, I'm also going to be weaving in some of my play therapy background. This was an important piece of teaching I would do for all of my kid clients as well as teachers and parents for years so i'm gonna be enjoying this like trip down memory lane with this metaphor in your workbook there is a mood meter that you'll see for this lesson and the colors in the mood meter are going to match up with everything that we're talking about today so if you are a more visual learner and would like to have something to kind of reference you got that. So let's just dive in. Our neurosensory system is always scanning the world and ourselves for stimulus that's relevant to our well-being. Cues can occur inside our body like a thought or an image, outside the body like a loud bang, or contextually. So like a time of day that makes you go like, wow, I need that third cup of coffee. This scanning process, known as neuroception, is what defines our emotions and is constantly being updated or modified by our experience. So our brains are hardwired to detect and react to five big categories of emotional relevant stimulus or cues. So we're going to start with our green zone, my friend. So the way I would teach the five emotion categories is called the river of feelings. So we're going to start with our safety cues. That's our green zone. So imagine that you are in a canoe. You are gently being pulled down a river that's got a nice tied to it. There's a good current flowing, but it's also gentle. So you can, you know, use your oar to increase your speed, decrease your speed, move around, but you also can have enough time to look up and see the light filtering through the leaves on the trees or to watch a deer moving through the bushes on the shore. So it's very relaxing. There's good movement and you have lots of choices. That's our green zone and our river of feelings. So these safety cues in the green zone are associated with feeling protected, secure, loved, fulfilled, cared for, and part of a community or a tribe. If you're looking at the mood meter, the mood meter has the... um, X axis, is that right? <laughs> it's been a hot second since I've been in a math class. So the axis going from left to right, I think it's the X axis, um, is gauging pleasantness. Um, and then the Y axis, the up and down, is energy. So your green zone is going to be in the fourth quadrant. So it's going to be mid to high pleasantness, but low to mid energy. You're awake, you're alert, but you're calm. Our natural set point is this safety point is a state of calm readiness and openness. It includes ongoing low level processing of all environmental inputs. Safety cues are stimulus that trigger this set point. So a cue triggers the green zone, a calm, friendly state linked with a brain neural substrate known as the ventral vagal complex. It's part of your parasympathetic nervous system. If you are a big brain nerd and you're like, Ooh, I like all these terms. Cool beans. If you're like, wow, Emily, that's a lot of jargon. Don't worry about it. Like you don't have to remember this. There is no test. (laughs) Our calm, friendly social safety system controls how we communicate non-verbally. So all of the different things in our body language, our facial muscles, allowing us to make facial expressions, our voice box muscles, allowing us to have a soft, melodic tone of voice, our middle ear muscles, which allow us to tighten our eardrums so we can hear human speech better, And our neck muscles, which allow us to, you know, direct our attention wherever it needs to be. Social safety activation is characterized by feelings of contentment, well-being, receptivity, curiosity, and a desire to socialize. When the social safety system is on, our body feels relaxed. Our heart rate slows, our breathing rate slows, and we feel that it's safe to openly express how we're feeling. We're more likely to make eye contact, more accurately hear what other people are saying, and we're also more likely to want to touch and be touched. A hug sounds like a good idea when you're in the green zone. We're also more likely to explore our environment with curiosity, and so maximizing our potential for discovery and learning. Uh, Some examples of things that cue you into your green zone. A stroll in the park, a laughing child, a hug, Petting your sweet little dog, cat, a happy memory, a pleasant meal with a friend, etc. All right, so that's our wonderful green zone. That's where we start this journey. Next, we're going to talk about the yellow zone. And I'll be honest, this doesn't really exist too much on the river of feelings because it's so quick. <laughs> um, if you are looking in your mood meter, The yellow zone is this tiny circle at the exact intersection of the x-axis and the y-axis because it is neither pleasant nor unpleasant, and it's neither high energy nor low energy. And it also, again, occurs within milliseconds. So that's our yellow zone. It doesn't really have a place on the river of feelings, but it's important, so let's get into it. New cues that are unexpected stimulus trigger an automatic evaluation process that determines whether this cue is important for our well-being. When something unexpected happens, our calm, friendly state briefly is withdrawn. We don't feel aroused. We're not like on the edge of our seat, but we're also not relaxed. We tend to freeze, hold our breath, our heart rate and our blood pressure increase slightly, and we turn our attention towards this new stimulus. This evaluative process is automatic. It happens in milliseconds to the point where we usually don't have any awareness that it's happening. So examples of novelty cues are a loud bang in a church, a lottery ticket with a winning number, a book out of place, or a critical comment by a friend. Now I want you to imagine for a second that you're walking with a friend down your neighborhood street. You're having just finished a wonderful cup of coffee. You both comment on how unusually quiet it is. There's no traffic. You notice ahead in the distance on the other side of the street, what looks like a large crowd of people. You both stop and stare, holding your breath as you try to figure out what's happening. Something's weird. Many people are standing in the middle of the street. You can see that some people are laughing like something's hilarious and other people are shaking their heads like they're upset. You continue to stare. Your brain is trying to figure out what is the significance of this unexpected event? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Should you get closer? Should you run away? This illustrates how when unexpected new or different things start to happen, our brain quickly tries to determine what's happening and whether it's important to our well-being. So now we get to move on to the next part of our river of feelings, our orange zone. So in our orange zone, I want you to think about whitewater rafting, but like like fun white water rafting. So it's exciting, it's exhilarating, you're very present. It's like a fun roller coaster as you kind of get tossed from side to side. You feel, generally speaking, safe, but it's exhilarating. Rewarding cues are usually determined to be potentially gratifying or pleasurable. So if we go back to our story of our our two friends, um, you and your friend, right, were uh, unexpectedly encountering a crowd of people and trying to figure out what's going on. So your novelty evaluation system is triggered, which momentarily withdraws your green zone, that social safety system. You both stop and stare intently at the crowd trying to figure out what's going on. Now, let's imagine that your friend is delighted by this new discovery. They want to get closer. They smile broadly, turn to you and go, oh my gosh, it's a parade. Let's go see. And they begin tugging on your sleeve and urge you to move closer. Your friend in this story has evaluated this unexpected crowd of people as a potential reward, as a source of fun and excitement and amusement. When we evaluate a new cue as rewarding, our sympathetic nervous system excitation approach system is activated. We experience a sense of anticipation that something exciting is about to happen. We feel excited and elated, so our heart rate goes up and we breathe faster. We experience urges to approach or pursue this potential reward. Our conversations are more animated, making us much more fun to be around. Now, there are some downsides to the orange zone. Uh, As anybody with small children in their lives will know, when a kid is really excited, it's really fun, but you know that, like, it's a little dangerous. (laughs) So the more extreme or strongly activated your reward state is, the less active your social safety is going to be. The more deep into your orange zone you are, the less close you are to your green zone, right? And your mood meter your orange zone is going to be the first quadrant. It's right stacked right on top of your green zone because it's mid to high pleasurable, but it's also mid to high energy. Now, we can become hyper-goal-focused and less open to non-reward-related stimulus. So we probably aren't aware that our conversation is only focusing on what we are excited about. And we might feel bored or disinterested if someone tries to change the subject. We may lose our ability to read subtle or maybe not-so-subtle cues Uh, For example, we may fail to notice that another person appears to be in pain, that they're feeling angry, that they're feeling sad, that might be bored. It's hard to keep track of that when you're so pumped. And we also become overly expressive. Sometimes that's fun, but sometimes it's like just loud. (laughs) We usually uh, can become really like dominating our, we are speaking louder, we're speaking faster, our gestures are larger, and we're usually unaware of how that's happening. So again, Orange Zone is really fun. It's the surprise of a birthday party. It's, oh my gosh, we're going to Disney World. It's, um, I think I'm gonna finally accomplish this goal. It's, I won the lottery. Like it can be really, really exciting. Um, And because your sympathetic nervous system is activated, it's also really easy for it to quickly switch to from your exciting approach state to your threatening state, which is our red zone. So if we think about our river of feelings... Our red zone is where those white water rapids, which in our orange zone are fun and exciting and exhilarating, a a roller coaster, become extremely scary, chaotic, uncontrollable, and feel very frightening. So red zone in our mood meter is to the left of our orange zone so we are still in mid to high energy but now we're from mid like unple- like mid unpleasantness to unpleasant like no pleasure to like full displeasure um we're in that first quadrant i'm realizing now that maybe i said that the orange quadrant was the first one you understand what i'm saying so threatening cues are um, appraised as potentially dangerous or damaging. So if we go back to our two friends, um, we last left off with your friend's um, sympathetic nervous system reward system being activated, leading them to excitedly encourage you to join them to go find their parade. Now, let's imagine that you appraise a situation differently than your friend rather than seeing a mass of people as potentially rewarding your brain perceives it as potentially dangerous so your friend is smiling and is excited and is urging you to join them your body tenses up your heart rate begins to race your facial expression becomes flat and your easy manner is long gone you grab your friend and shout no it's not a parade it's a riot we have to get out of here run you pull your friend toward you and begin running away from the crowd you're sweating and breathing fast and you don't dare look back so at the very end of our story here in contrast to your friend you interpret this crowd of people as potentially threatening And this story shows how people can be in the exact same situation, but interpret it in exactly opposite ways. And both of these ways feel true to the person doing the interpreting, which is why you can imagine you might get in an argument with your friend about them going like, no, it's a parade, you're being ridiculous. And you're like, no, it's a riot, you're being ridiculous. When we feel threatened, we experience a sense of anticipation that something bad's going to happen or that something we really want is going to be blocked. We're still in our sympathetic nervous system. So our sympathetic nervous system is activated, but it triggers feelings of anxiety, irritation, and an urge to flee or attack. Our body tenses up. Our breathing is fast and shallow. Our heart rate speeds up as we prepare to fight or flee. Both our social safety, empathetic perception, and our pro-social signaling, all of that good nonverbal body language stuff that happens in our green zone, yeah, all that is impaired. So we can only force a fake smile. Our facial expressions are constricted. Our voice tone becomes monotonic. Gestures are tight and non expressive, and we're more likely to not make eye contact or maybe even stare with like hostility. It's also easier to misinterpret other people's tones. Now, imagine for a second that as you are in the chaotic, choppy, white water rapids of the Red Zone, that it ends with a waterfall. And so it is terrifying and you go over that waterfall and through the tumbling chaos of all of the loud heavy water dump yourself down and then you find yourself in kind of a marsh or like a swamp so there is water but there's mostly mud and your boat is stuck there is no current pulling you along your ore isn't going to be very helpful at this point it's just stuck and kind of gross this is our blue zone so this is our overwhelming emergency shutdown system Overwhelming cues trigger this emergency shutdown system. On the mood meter, the blue zone is directly under the red zone. So it is n- uh, no pleasantness to fully unpleasant, and it's mid energy to no energy at all. Um, imagine being chased by a hungry bear. You try to run away, but it's too fast, and you try to fight it off, but it's too strong. So when our emotion-based actions are ineffective or overwhelmed by, you know, a giant bear, our brain body copes by turning off this fight flight approach in order to conserve energy and maximize survival. So instead what happens is our heart rate, breathing and our body movement slow way down. We become almost immobilized. Our social safety signaling is completely deactivated. We lose all facial expressions. It's like becoming a zombie in a horror film. Like you end up playing dead almost. So this emergency shutdown system is in your parasympathetic nervous system, just like your green zone. But unlike your green zone, it exists in your dorsal vagal complex. Again, if this feels overwhelming, don't feel like you got to memorize it. But fun fact, our parasympathetic nervous system, dorsal vagal complex is evolutionarily older than any other part of your brain. So for example, frogs have this paras- his parasympathetic nervous system, dorsal vagal complex. Female frogs are known to play dead, are known to shut down during mating season because all of the male frogs come up out of the water and they're so loud and there's so many of them that It's overwhelming. And so they just play dead. So that way they'll leave them alone. So like a zombie, we look and feel emotionally numb, fear, anger, other really powerful emotions fade. We experience pain less intensely and at its most intense, like at its least pleasant and least energy, you dissociate completely. Like you have an out of body experience or you faint So the thing about the blue zone is the thing really with all of the zones on our river of feelings is that there are shades. This is why I like the mood meter approach because not everything is the most pleasant and most energy you can have. Like there's a lot of range in your orange zone. There's a lot of range in your green zone. Like a sense of kind of like boredom can be in your green zone, but it also could be in your blue zone. It depends on how pleasant or overwhelming something feels. So a lighter version of dissociation is like when you get in your car to go to the grocery store and you arrive at the grocery store, but you honest to God, couldn't tell anybody how you got there. Like you just suddenly, like your body went on autopilot. That is a form of dissociation the thing where you like kind of drift off in your thoughts and like your body is in the room, but your brain is totally gone. That's a form of dissociation. And depending on how frequently you click into dissociation, um, depends on like how intense it can get. But that's also true of, you know, our entire nervous system, frankly. (laughs) but I'm not going to get on. I'm not going to get distracted (laughs) and get on and get on with lesson two. We're not going to, we're not going to get distracted here. Here we go. So pulling it all together. What's the basic, what's the, what's the bottom line? We are never not emotional. We are always in one of the five emotional states. We are always somewhere on the mood meter. We are all on the river of feelings. We're always feeling something, even when the duration of that emotion is so low in intensity or so quick that you barely notice it. Broadly speaking, when one emotional system is on, the other four are off or inhibited. Like, it's really hard to be, you know, stark, raving, angry, and rageful and calm at the same time. Like, those two things don't mix. That being said, though, this is why I like the river analogy, because like there's flow to it. You know what I mean? Like as the like peaceful river begins to pick up some speed and begins to hit some rocks and some turns, it's going to start feeling a little whitewater water y You know what I mean? And... When you hit that waterfall, you're going to potentially go into a place of fight and flight and then trip into overwhelm shutdown, right? So we're always somewhere on the mood meter. It's okay if you can't exactly say like, I am only in my green zone. I am only in my orange zone, etc. cetera. So when an emotional response tendency is ineffective, we tend to move on to another one. So I'm going to use a story to kind of illustrate this. I want you to imagine a teenager named Sally, whose idol is Taylor Swift. She is at the airport traveling with her loving grandparents who've decided to treat her to a special trip to go to a concert. Their plane isn't scheduled to depart for another two hours, so they've got plenty of time grandfather buys everybody a cup of coffee and they all decide to enjoy it while waiting in the boarding area. Sally finishes her coffee and then quietly rests her head on her grandmother's shoulder who gently begins to stroke her hair. Just as her eyes begin to close she remembers how her grandmother used to love reading her bedtime stories. Gently smiling Sally takes a slow deep breath. So Sally is very clearly in her green zone and the way we know this is because She is resting her head on her grandmother's shoulder. She feels comfortable enough to begin to close her eyes. She's smiling gently and she's got that deep cleansing breath while remembering a really warm childhood memory. So while resting quietly, Sally begins to notice that the noise level around her family's seating area is different. It suddenly seems unusually quiet. So her green zone is beginning to transition into that yellow zone. Sally feels less drowsy. She lifts her head from her grandmother's shoulder, scans the area, and listens intently. The people in the seats next to her family are now standing. They appear to be staring intently at something. She looks to see what it is and spots a large crowd gathered around what appears to be an arrival scape. So now she's firmly in her yellow zone, right? And the reason we know this is because she feels alert, but she's not like on the edge of her seat. She adjusts her body posture from a state of like relaxation to one of alertness. And without even like being aware of it, her brain is working to try and figure out like what's going on. Without warning, the crowd suddenly breaks into applause. A few people seem to be excitedly shouting with a smile Sally turns to her grandparents and says, let's go see what's happening. The applause continues. Her heart begins to race. Her breath quickens. She feels flushed. And as she gets closer, she spots the source of the crowd's applause. It's Taylor. It's Taylor Swift here in person right now. She squeals with delight and sprints towards her shouting, Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. Oh my God. I love you. I love you. She fails to notice the stern look she's getting from other people as she shoves them aside, leaps over them and steps on their toes. She only has eyes for Taylor. Her grandparents are now hurrying to catch up with her. So clearly Zally has now moved from her yellow zone to her orange zone, right? Her body is animated. Her heart and her breathing rate have increased. She feels flushed. She's approaching her big reward and becomes hyper goal focused. And her ability to be empathetic to other people is impaired, right? She's shoving them and stepping on their toes because she is in a single-minded pursuit of her goal. Sally is determined to get to Taylor. She hurdles three startled elderly people, vaults two picture-snapping reporters, and she gets within five feet of her idol, only to smack into three muscle-bound bodyguards blocking her way. She cannot move them. They are impassable. But Taylor's right there with an arm's reach. He turns toward her and is looking right at her. And then Taylor does the unimaginable. She looks directly at her and smiles. Sally feels lightheaded. Her knees go wobbly. It's like she's peering down a long tunnel. She can't hear the roar of the crowd. It kind of looks like Taylor's trying to say something. Is she trying to say like Hey, bestie. Sally suddenly feels numb and then faints. So Sally goes and fully into her orange zone and then crashes into her blue zone, right? Although experiences of overwhelming reward are rare, they can occur, and the brain responds in the same way it would to an overwhelming threat. So in Sally's case, the shutdown response is triggered after her high energy, consuming, exciting approach behaviors are blocked by the bodyguards. Plus, the reward value of the stimulus doesn't dissipate, but instead it increases in intensity. So it's not that like she hits the bodyguards and Taylor continues to walk away into the distance. Taylor gets closer and begins giving her more attention. And so the reward becomes even more enticing. Now, why fainting? acquisition and consumption of her reward, presumably, you know, like a hug, a selfie, and then being Taylor Swift's best friend for the rest of life become not only impossible, but a real waste of valuable energy. As a consequence, her evolutionarily older emergency shutdown system is triggered manifested by fainting. So real life examples of this are the women who would faint when the Beatles came into town. All right, you guys, Thank you for this, uh, for for coming along on this tour of the river of feelings. Please check out your mood meter. You'll notice that there is a mood meter that has some information on it. Ooh, and you'll notice that. Um, There's also a blank one where you can kind of like mark where you're at throughout the day. Um, That's a really fun exercise you can use by yourself. Sometimes I have my clients do this. Um, So you've got that in case you want to try it out or if your therapist um, is interested in having you track where your moods are and being able to be aware, like where you're at on the river of feelings throughout a day. All right. That's all for lesson two. I'll see you guys in lesson three. Bye.